Streaming Surfers, everyone. My name is August Ricardo. And my name is Jesse Davis. And we are once again coming at you in the month of love. And the metronome is going. Well, let's get that bad boy. There we go. We We're coming it. back at you in the month of love, talking about some rom-coms. We are. A whole, a a whole, whole trilogy. A host of them. We, it is a host of them, yeah. It's a lot of rom-coms. <laughs> um... And we have thoughts. We do. We've already say. discussed some, and I think we're going to yell at each other. I think August hates women is what the, what it really boils down to. Whoa! Whoa, 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 whoa. Don't say that. Don't say I'm that. Kidding. August doesn't Don't hate have women. that. Don't have that in audio recording forever. August doesn't hate women. I. <laughs> okay. Um, so, should we hop in with the big thing? Yeah. Let's just get it out of the fucking way, man. <laughs> Um, so Snyder Cut trailer. Uh huh. <laughs> do we or do we not live in a society? I, I'm gonna fucking scream, August. I'm going to fucking scream. <laughs> I, I can't believe that that is a real thing <laughs> I had to witness with my eyes. And I'm gonna have to do it again. I cannot believe we've been making this meme of the Joker for the past, like, what, like, ten years? Of, we live in a society, and now... Uh, oh, man. Uh, and Zack Snyder... I want to read to you a text that was sent to me by somebody. I'm not going to say who. I'll show August, but uh, I'm not going to say who it is on air, because you guys might be seeing this person at some point in the future. Maybe Ooh. to talk about this specific movie. Oh, boy. Um, this person sent me a text saying, Is there something about Zack Snyder's style that while it doesn't look bad, somehow it doesn't catch the eye? I don't know. It's weird. And I said, yes, that's exactly Well, here's it. the thing. I'm the, this is like the biggest, most irritable thing about this fucking movie to me in general. Like, yeah, I'm like gl- glad it's coming out so that people finally shut the fuck up. Mm-hmm. I mean, they won't, but they you won't, know, I can dream. But, uh, yeah. but why does all these... Tra- God, I got really loud. Why do all these trailers have the most atrocious aspect ratio in like it's so fucking bad. history? It's so... Why is it like that? Like, why is it? Why are these trailers released specifically for Twitter scrolling? Mm-hmm. Like, and I watched it on YouTube on my TV, and I'm like, oh my god, this is—is mm-hmm. is the whole movie like the whole movie can't be like this? I don't know, man. And it just—it doesn't look interesting. No, well, the thing is, like, I'm like, wow, they sure are beating the shit out of some bugs. Ooh, it's—it's it's red there. Well, here's wow. the thing. Like, it just doesn't look interesting. They. It feels to me as though the marketing of this movie... Because, again, like... It's... Okay. It appears to me as though Warner Brothers and Snyder and HBO Max and all the conglomerates associated therewith are under the impression that just it being a Snyder Cut is marketing. Yeah. But, like, you know, I'm sitting here and I'm watching this trailer... And as a general consumer, I'm like, I don't know what this is about. Right. I don't know what this is about. And I don't, more importantly, I don't care what this is about. These are some of my favorite characters to have ever existed in history. I love these characters with my whole heart. And we're getting a movie where they're all together, and it should be awesome, and I should be stoked, and I just 
cannot care. Care. I can't. Well, here's the thing. We've um, we've. I don't know if we really talk about our opinions on it on air, and I assume we'll get more in depth when we actually do the Snyder Cut. Yeah. But I think the first Justice League movie is fine. Like, you know, it's not particularly good, but <clears throat> at the end of the day, and I say this begrudgingly because I'm not jazzed on the individual who's responsible for it. Uh-huh. It's fun. Like, yeah. It, it was fun. I had a lot more fun watching yeah. um, Justice League than I did Batman vs Superman, that's for sure. Well, I mean, I had more fun getting a colonoscopy than I had watching Batman vs right. Superman. Um, I had more fun than Man of Steel. I had more fun than... Not as much fun as Suicide Squad. And I think Suicide Squad is also a better movie, technically. Yeah, no, I mean, that's but, fair, but... Um, yeah, it's... But it's it, at least I fun. fun, yeah. And, like... This, yeah. This does not look fun. No, it doesn't look fun. It looks like a dour, sad... Like, just dust blowing through some action figures in the middle of a sad desert. Like, right. And here's the thing, like, I don't care about your nightmare sequence, dude. Like... Also, here's the most ridiculous thing. We hear Joker say, we live in a society, but then it shows us the society is that they pretty much fucking don't. Right. <laughs> I don't think they do. And then Jared Leto, who plays the Joker, if you don't know, he quote tweeted the trailer and said, we live in a society. Just that. Because there's more to that line in the trailer, but still. Yeah. No, I agree with what you're saying. Like, it's just so ridiculous. Yeah. Involved in this film. Only after Zack Snyder. I think he's in some kind of Schrodinger's moron situation. Yeah. Like, that's the best way to describe what he is. He's Schrodinger's moron. I had something explained to me a couple days ago. Uh, the concept of Schrodinger's douchebag. A person who says something offensive and then decides whether they were joking or not based on the reaction of people around them. Yeah. Maybe that's true, but... Yeah, I mean... <laughs> something like that, yeah. Oh my god. Um, I, I will say, there was at least a couple shots where I was like, that looks neat. Cyborg does like a... And I remember this specifically, because Cyborg, he's like jetpacking or whatever, and he does like a, like a corkscrew spiral, and he has like lasers on his arm. And I remember that being cool, because it was a nice pop of color from the end of the lasers, because uh-huh. it was just like a dark night... Like, everything was, like, it dark, navy blue, and steely gunmetal gray. Right. And I just saw, like, some accents of red, and I'm like, oh, oh wow, what a fresh pop of wow. color. <laughs> There's color in this movie? Yeah. My big issue was, you know what? I've seen the first Justice League movie, obviously. I think I've seen it, like, two or three times, maybe. Just too many times. But Yeah. My thing about it is, I've watched that movie, and despite what people think... He still has to fucking work with the skeleton of that movie. Right. Like, he can do all his $70 million reshoots or whatever, but that means... But apparently he's only adding in, like... Two minutes? I think it was, like, five or six minutes of stuff that wasn't already filmed. I don't care. I don't. I'm just saying that I've seen this movie before, and it's already, like, a two-hour movie. This is going to be a four-hour movie. Um, I don't know where the fucking hour of Nightmare goes. Right. 
Where do you put it? Yeah. Like, it just doesn't fit at all. No. And I get that people really responded well to that sequence for some reason. For some fucking reason. Like, trench coats are cool or something. I but, guess. like, I don't know where the fuck it goes. I don't even care. <laughs> right. It doesn't, it doesn't matter to me. Yeah. Alright, anything else to add about this trailer? No, but I think the next thing we talk about should be something that we kind of touched on. Uh, I don't know what it is we touched on, so I'm just going to say what I think is the next biggest thing of the week. Okay. Uh, let's talk about Gina Carano. <laughs> oh, that's not what I, where I was going. Um, I was talking about Joss. Oh! Fuck, this was a bad week. This was oh. a bad week. Um, Let's just do Gina and then Joss. Okay. So, August, I, w- I want you to ask me what Gina Carano did. I want you to ask me what Gina Carano did. What Gina Carano did, Jesse? She fucked around and found out. <laughs> <laughs> well, you know what? Free speech, man. No. <laughs> Free speech does not protect Nazi shit. I, no, it's I, in the Constitution. I, it <laughs> says you have free speech except for Nazi shit. It's right there. I... I think saying Nazi shit's a little leading, but... Uh, not really. I mean, I don't like agree with what she said. I mean, obviously I don't agree with what she said. And I am very... I don't know if happy's the word to describe her being fired. I'm happy. I'm elated, actually. I'm happy she's fired, but, like, conversely, I do understand that, he, that like, women in general were pretty stoked to have a badass like Cara Dune, and whether or not they just be cast her without saying a word or just write off the character completely remains to be seen. That's fair. So I suppose, like, in the sense that I know people are really excited to have, like, a badass, tough female character in Star Wars, considering every other character in Star Wars just kind of listfully faints onto some couches every now and then. Sure. Well, that's more prequely, I suppose. Yeah. But, because Leia is an objective badass. Leia is an objective badass. Right. But you know what I mean. Yeah. Like... Cardin is as tough as we've seen Star Wars women be before. That's fair, but I also think uh, Fennec is um, also tough and badass, and a lot of women responded to her really well, especially because she was not a Nazi. Um, and, like, Ming-Na Wen is the dopest, yeah. categorically. Um and the only person to pull off a Disney hat trick. Yes, I was about to say that. Is she, what is she in? Is she in Shang-Chi? No, Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. Oh, she's in Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D.? She's like the main character. Or she's like the the third main character. Oh, word. Yeah. Oh, is she the one that they're talking about appearing in Secret Invasion? Potentially. Hell yeah. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think that like... I'm glad she's fired. I think it's a little too late, honestly. Oh, absolutely. Because from what I understand, this is a shocking news audience, but if I find a person generally unlikable, I don't subscribe to their feed. Right. Like, I don't... You know, we talk about this, hate watching still counts as views. Uh Uh-huh. Like, hate hate following still counts as... following. So I just don't. And if it's really bad, I'll see someone retweet it. Right, somebody will retweet it or, like, take a screen grab and post that. I've seen a lot of what she's posted through, like, screenshots. Yeah. And, uh, the most recent thing that came, like... Oh, we should probably explain what she said. The day before it was announced she was fired. Disney is claiming that they fired her a while ago and just didn't really say anything. 
Um, I don't know how true that is, but the most recent thing she said that had a lot of people uh, call for her to be fired was basically, um, it was this big long thing about how the most dangerous thing about the Nazis uh, was not that they killed Jews, but that they convinced regular people to kill Jews, just like out in the street, which like, yeah, okay, yeah, that's sure. And then she was like, how is this any different from being a Republican nowadays? And I'm like, oh, okay. Okay. Right. You're being killed in the street? You're killed in the street? She probably should have shut up for the weekend, you know? I mean, like, uh-huh. if she would have stayed around till Friday or Saturday, Republicans kind of got a slam dunk. So, like... <laughs> exactly. So, I'm just like, why didn't she just shut... That's what it is. Shut up. Like, right. Could, like, A, those opinions are inexcusable to have they just fucking are right like you know if you there's nothing wrong with being a republican or being a conservative you want lower taxes great you want smaller government great you want more gun rights great i might disagree with you on some of those things but you're welcome to have that opinion but thinking that you are a being persecuted for those beliefs go fuck yourself b that you're an actual danger for having those beliefs go fuck yourself three or C, comparing yourself to other actually discriminated against groups because you don't like them, and so now you're the one who's being attacked, go fuck yourself. Well, here's my thing, too. Uh, this is a broad August hot take. Mm-hmm. Feel free to apply it to everyday life. Uh, if you have a sentence that goes, blank is like Nazi Germany... There's really not anything you can put in blank. Right. Like, you can say Nazi Germany is like Nazi Germany. But beyond that? Yeah. Like, yeah. Like, I saw a comparison to, um, something Pedro Pascal previously said, where he said, uh, you know, uh, people in cages, the borders is like Nazi Germany. And I agree with that. Mm -hmm. I think that's an objectively agreeable statement. But also, saying being a Republican is like, Nazi Germany right. and saying keeping people in cages is like Nazi Germany. Two very different things. Yeah. Like nine out of ten times that statement does not apply. Nazi Germany is orange and everything else is apples. Like Right. You can really try and peg it like force that peg into that hole, but I wouldn't. I would stay away from it. I'd find a new toy to play with. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> also, I saw a meme that somebody posted in response to the uh, Gina Carano situation. And um, it, I already sort of said part of it, but it, it just makes me giggle and also explains a lot of what is going on with American politics nowadays, um, where it said, uh, someone, I'm being censored for being a Republican. And then somebody else says, oh, you, that's terrible. You've been censored for wanting lower taxes? No, not those beliefs. Oh. You've been censored for uh, wanting less regulation? No, not those beliefs. Right. What yeah. beliefs are you talking about? You know the ones. Like, yeah, I come the that. fuck on. That's not being a Republican. That's being an asshole. Well, because I really want to take it where I really should, which maybe I overuse this word, maybe a little bit. It's Nazi shit. It is. I mean, here's the thing. Zoink, Scoob. Nothing broke. Um... I think that, well, because, again, like I said, I think it's a little too late, because um, if I recall, because, again, I don't subscribe to her feed, right. and I, this is what I was actually trying to build to, but I got derailed, um, didn't she say some, like, 
ludicrously transphobic shit, like... Several times. Not, but, like, specifically in, like, a subtweet to Pedro Pascal coming out in support of his, um... Yeah. Sister. I believe so. Okay. Right. Like, yeah. That's insane to me. Like, holy shit. I... Yeah. Do you think they're gonna mention it? I hope they don't. I hope they just recast, um... There's a... An actress, and also I think a, a another WWE uh, star. Um, I think her name is. Let me. I'm looking it up right now. Um, who I think would be great for the part, but I want to make sure I get her name right. Mm-hmm. And her. Um, oh, yeah, uh, Lucy Lawless. She was Xena. Um, some people are calling for her. Uh, there are a couple of other names being tossed around, um, but I think just. Just recast her and don't say shit about it. Yeah. I wouldn't mind that. Mm-hmm. God, it's amazing how much people can fuck themselves when they don't shut up, right? Mm-hmm. Like, holy shit, she's gonna get her own fucking Disney Plus show. Right. Like, like I was saying before, it is absolutely unacceptable to have these beliefs. But also, if you just shut the fuck up, then you won't get fucked over. Well, here's the thing. Like, like I'm glad she spoke the fuck up about these beliefs and that she got fired as a result of them because I think that's what should happen. But how hard is it to just not say the stupid shit? Well, here's the thing. I don't understand the thought process. Um, because, like, you know, what do you think's going to happen? Like, you're going to post about how Republicans are persecuted like Jews and then you think someone's going to look at that and be like, huh, you know, I never thought of that take right. before. Oh, I never thought of it that way. Like... Don't, like, it's not like some, like, BuzzFeed movie conspiracy theory list, and then you're like, oh, that's an interesting take. Yeah, I can right. see that. It's, like, objective false information. I think, like, even one of her posts had, like, a little bumper that said, this is false, this is a lie. Yeah. Like, oh my god. Should we move on to the other shitty thing this yeah, week? Yeah, let's talk about the other shitty thing. And then we can maybe talk about some fun stuff. Yeah. I defer to you. Okay. So, um, I'm going to look up her name, uh, because I know her first name, but I just want to make sure I get her last name right, um, because she was very brave for doing this, and um, I want to make sure that I am being correct. Uh, Charisma Carpenter, who played a character, I don't know who, because I haven't seen the show, uh, on Buffy the Vampire Slayer. Um came out in support of Ray Fisher and talked about her uh, terrible experiences on Buffy and how Joss Whedon basically abused her, uh, as well as everybody else on on the set of the show. Most directly women, um, but also people of color. Um, and well, some more of this came out after her original statement. She was mostly talking about her own experiences, but then said like I wasn't the only one, and kind of left it at that. And then some other people came out and shared yeah, their experiences. Yeah, did. Yeah. Um, and it, it most notably women, um, ranging from actresses to PAs to writers. Um, okay. And. Uh, he did some real shitty, shitty things. Um, like, apparently he took pride in and would always joke about how he uh, made women cry in writing meetings because he thought it was funny. Oh, that's cute. Uh-huh. Um, he 
forced charisma uh, when she uh, got pregnant um, to when she was like six months pregnant he was making her be upset at like 1.30 in the morning and stuff like that when it easily could have been in, indoors and shot like a 19 um, at you know noon um, after her doctor specifically said like you need to work less because the baby's health is possibly on the line um at the time, I don't know if this is still her current belief, but uh, at the time, she was a very devout Christian, and she still may be. Um, and he would constantly make fun of her and belittle her for um, those religious beliefs and etc., uh, etc., et um, as well as he would make uh, comments that were like bordering on sexual harassment um, and then a lot of people uh, Sarah Michelle Gellar um, uh, a couple more people who worked on DC movies a couple more people who worked on Buffy uh, mostly women yeah. um, came out and said they had similar experiences and some shared some didn't um, and a few of the a few of the men, not nearly enough, looking at you men of Hollywood, but a few of them came out and said like, me, like, I I personally didn't experience these things, but I did see some of it. Oh, yeah, I know someone didn't said necessarily that. think. And I'm trying to remember as much of it as I should. He was from Buffy. No, I, but I remember the name. I recognize. Oh, okay. Um. It was like maybe I I saw some things that I thought were not right and didn't say something or I didn't think as much of them as I should have and yeah I've laid awake the past couple of nights racking my brains trying to see what I missed but I you know, I believe these women and and fuck Joss Whedon basically yeah pretty um, much maybe he can direct the Gina Carano adventure film maybe maybe it's a match made in hell uh huh <sighs> yeah. So, um, basically, Joss Whedon kind of blows, man, and that sucks because I really liked Joss Whedon. Yeah. No, I agree. I mean, I, like you know, I I had known over the past couple of months that Joss Whedon had done some un uncash things in regards um, to justice. In regards to like Justice League and and whatnot, and I was already not stoked on him. Yeah. Um, as well as, uh, like, you know, I, I was I was very against Joss Whedon and have been for the past several months, ever since Ray Fisher really, like, said his piece right. uh, the first time. And, um, but, you know, finding out more and more every day about how, just how fucking shitty he is. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to some nice stuff? Yeah, let's talk about some fun stuff, man. Um, so this is news from November. Oh, but I discovered it uh, over the this week while I was working on a uh, essay for a class, and I thought you'd like to hear it. Sure. Cami Mendez and Maya Hawke to star in dark comedy spin on Hitchcock's Strangers on a Train. What? Yeah. No way. That would be amazing. Right? That's gonna be awesome. Yeah. I love that. Who's who's gonna be who? Uh, Cammy is Guy and Maya is Bruno. Absolutely. <laughs> um, I don't know how many Hitchcock fans are in the audience, but um, 
which of them looks like a, an all-star tennis player and which of them looks like the crazy person on the train? <laughs> well, I mean, they might shake things up. Maybe. Yeah, okay, I see your point, though. <laughs> um, yeah, a dark comedy spin on it. That sounds interesting. Yeah. So, I just thought that was some fun news from November. I think that's going to be awesome. I know, right? I'm so excited for that. I thought you'd like that. I love Strings on a Train. It's pretty good. It's one of my favorite Hitchcock movies. It's good. I, um, I'm in the Hitchcock class that Jessica and Emma took last year, mm-hmm. and I used to be like, oh, Hitchcock fucking sucks. And I mean, I don't actually believe that. I just think that like Hitchcock right. really wasn't for me, because I have a hard time, hard time like slow burn stuff. But I watched this movie of Emma, and I was like, oh, this... Okay, okay, it's actually okay. kind of fucks. All right, um, moving on. Disney reportedly have three to four weeks to decide whether Black Widow's release date is being moved. Apparently, Kevin Feige is opposed to a streaming-slash-theatrical hybrid rollout. Yeah, I think he Kevin wants to do either one or the other. Um... I think they just gotta fucking bite the bullet. Yeah, I think it's been it's been too long. People are starting to lose interest. I you kind of just gotta put it out there. Oh yeah, I think that's the problem. I think that, you know, well, I suppose that'd be anecdotal. What I was gonna say, what's probably gonna end up happening is we're gonna see female superhero stuff pushed back like five years because Black Widow's not gonna do good because of general lack of interest. Right, which sucks and. You know, also pandemics outside. But, like, conversely, I do also suppose every other female led superhero movie in the past five years has made a billion dollars. Mm-hmm. And WandaVision is currently the most popular show in the world. Right, yeah. So I don't think. I'm just hoping that, you know, studios don't take the wrong lesson from stuff. Right. Like, they're going to see Black Widow do fail to do well two years after like the last appearance of the character because mm-hmm. we haven't seen another look at Black Widow in a year right so it's not going to do well there's lack of general audience interest there's a pandemic so they're going to look at it not make its money back and they're going to be like oh maybe we should maybe we need to go back to men but like I don't necessarily I don't think, think that- so specifically because of WandaVision because of how well WandaVision is doing oh my thought was Captain Marvel making a billion dollars that too but, yeah. I don't know. I think they seem to bite the bullet. Like, especially because, apparently, if I understand correctly, Black Widow has stuff that ties into Falcon and the Winter Soldier. Yeah. So, I wouldn't want them to, like, delay Falcon and the Winter Soldier as a result of this. Mm-hmm. I think they seem to fucking bite the bullet and be like, alright, we'll make less money, whatever. Right. Like... I, I still think, though, that a lot of people would be willing to pay for it. Uh, no, I think this would do much better for a... And here's what it is. People just weren't interested in Mulan. Like, I don't know how much... Again, I don't have, like, a divining crystal to look, let me look into an alternate dimension. So I couldn't tell you how much Mulan would have made if it had gone to theaters and there wasn't a pandemic. Less. But I don't think it would have made a billion dollars. Like, I think everybody would realize like you know Mulan made such a point in its whole like from the beginning of pre-production like even before pre-production until it's released where it's like ah yeah we're taking all the things about Mulan that you love taking them out of the movie and then making what's left and people are like why do I want that <laughs> well here's the thing I think Disney they're, they're, they're shadowy boardrooms 
And they had like some and like some lowly intern or like data cruncher was like, okay, so Lion King, Beauty and the Beast made this much. We can extrapolate that Mulan will make this much. Or no, they were like, they thought Lion King and Beauty and the Beast made this much. And then with a theatrical rollout, we, or a hybrid online rollout, we anticipate Mulan making this much. But they didn't factor in that Mulan doesn't have the same like interest that a Lion King with groundbreaking CGI and Beauty and the Beast starring Emma Watson had. Like, right. I still... And here's the thing, I don't even really like the live-action Lion King or Beauty and the Beast, but I do understand why those movies made a billion dollars. Right. Like, Mulan, 500 million if lucky, I would say, if it had, like, a normal so, level. Yeah. Like, so they, you know, they, they converted it, and then they're like, oh, we were anticipating this much. So, I assume that, like, the guys in the boardroom were like, we're anticipating making 500 million through theatrical or through Disney Plus Premier Access. That's a generous estimate. I don't even think that... I think even to get that much, every single active Disney Plus subscriber would have to pay for it, if I understand how many subscribers they have correctly. But, like... Maybe. I think that they just need to fucking release Black Widow. Yeah. Just... Because they're holding up, you know, everything else in the MCU, and also, with everyday interest dwindles. Like... Right. Like, yeah, I'm excited to see Taskmaster in a Black Widow movie and everything. Absolutely. But, like, I also am acutely aware this is the last time we're probably going to ever see that character. So, like... Right. See, I'm stoked for the Black Widow movie. But even still, there are days where I forget that it's coming out. No, me too. I'm like... Well, because here's the thing. We haven't heard anything about it for, like, a year. And every few months, they're like, oh, we're still figuring out what we're going to do. And I'm like, you guys just need to fucking buy it. You need to just do it. Yeah, like, I think that enough people will be vaccinated in some sense by, it's April, right? I don't know what day in April. Yeah, it's like April 19th, I think. Yeah. That, like, I don't believe that releasing it to theaters is a great option. No. Yeah, like, just fucking release it online. Right. If they have any hopes of releasing it before October, at the earliest. Right they would have to do a split release. Yeah. Well, because the other thing is, then they're still... If they have to push it back, they're going to push back Spider-Man, Shang-Chi, The Eternals, the entire fucking slate. But, like... And then, if stuff from whatever, whatever, whatever factors into whatever, 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 are they going to have to push back, like... I don't know. Um, Think about it like this. If Loki ties into Doctor Strange, Loki set for an August release. Doctor Strange is set for a release next March, I think. So yeah. Are they gonna have to push back Loki too? If if they have to push back Doctor Strange into like August, like what is that gonna mean? Right. So I think they just need to fucking do it. Like yeah, that's what I have to say. I agree. Oh god. Okay. Um. Chugga 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 chugga. Pew pew. Bullet train! Bullet train! Bullet train! Um, <laughs> buy um, the All Aboard the Bullet Train t-shirt. Please buy our merch shop. Uh, <laughs> God, we're going to be... I can't wait for the show up to the movie theater with like a bullet train t-shirt. Oh yeah, <laughs> an illegally licensed bullet train t-shirt. It's going to be awesome. Yeah. Um, bullet train adds Sandra Bullock to an already insane cast. 
I'm so excited. I'm not going to read the whole list of the cast, but I'm excited. Are there more Hitman? Everyone should be a Hitman. I think everyone should be a Hitman. I wonder if this is like a John Wick spinoff that just got repurposed. Like a that's like fine. A, like an assassin hotel. Yeah. They just were like, what yeah. if we made it on a train? What if it was on a train? <laughs> I'm very excited for this. I hope Bullet Train crosses over with John Wick. That's my goal. Oh, dude, I would go bananas. Do you want to see John Wick on the Bullet Train? Yes. Yes. Seeing Keanu face off against Brad Pitt? Are you fucking kidding me? Has that ever happened? No. Get on that Hollywood. Exactly. Add Bullet Train to the John Wickiverse. Add it right now. Right. Um. That's all. I'm so stoked for Bullet Train. I cannot articulate it. I know. <laughs> Speaking of stuff we're stoked for, uh huh. Live action Powerpuff Girls series gets a Ooh. pilot order for CW's 2021 to 2022 season. Good for them. Somebody is the audience for that show. My my favorite thing is they also canceled the Wonder Girl TV show. Mm-hmm. Do you think that they're like too many women, too many girls, too many girls? We have a Star Girl, Powerpuff Girls, a Wonder Girl too. No sir, no mm-hmm. sir. Mm-hmm. So that blows. Like you know. Yeah, kind of a bummer, but you know. Yeah. But you know, I guess I'm excited to at least look at the. Fr- Twitter's reactions to the first yeah. look at this show. <laughs> I wonder who they'll cast. That's my question. I probably like at least one. Just the three girls from Riverdale. Yeah, I'd watch that. I guess I they could totally watch that. I guess they could beat the Powerpuff Girls. Yeah. They were for Halloween. Were they? Mm-hmm. Like as actors or as like in the show? As actors. Okay. Like Madeline Patch. Uh, no, I can tell. I know who was who. But Tony like. Mendez and. I don't know if that was like in something in the show. Or right. Lily Reinhardt. Yeah. Yeah, no, it was not in the show. It was. Those characters don't get along well enough in the show to be the Powerpuff Girls. I mean, I don't know anything about that show. Sometimes they're all best friends and like going on camping trips. Sometimes they're just having orgies. Sometimes they're planning each other's murders. Like, uh-huh. It's I don't... a very dynamic friendship. <laughs> I'm sure. Um, the Batman actor Jeffrey Wright is set to voice Batman in a new comedic take Batman podcast titled Batman The Audio Adventures from HBO Max. The cast includes John Leguizamo, Ike Barinholtz, Keenan Thompson, Rosario Dawson, Jason Sudeikis, Alan Tudyk, and I'm, more. I'm pretty excited for that. Yeah. I don't, I don't know where the podcast tab in HBO Max is. Right. I don't know where to find the podcast, but... <laughs> I'm excited. Yeah. Um, Who's, I think it'll be fun. Who do you think is gonna be as someone? Like if you had this best face. Alan Tudyk is Joker again. Yeah, probably. I mean something more interesting, like. Uh Alan Tudyk would be a fun I know I meant more like a Jason Sudeikis as as a as Nightwing or something. I think Jason Sudeikis might be like Harvey Dent. No, I think John Lugazama is gonna be or I I think Ike Barinholtz is Harvey Dent. I could see that. Or hear that you mean. Yeah. <laughs> uh, Rosario Dawson, Poison Ivy. That's my, Definitely. That's my, that's my hot scoop prediction. Not I think really Jason Sudeikis is going to be Nightwing. That's my hot scoop. If they have Nightwing. Yeah. Then, I, yeah. I like that. I think that voice would match. Yeah, definitely. Yeah. I was trying to do, I, I, I was trying to articulate like in my head how they do a Jason Sudeikis impression, but I'm like, I'm not doing that. Yeah, no. I'm bad at impressions. You're not great at them. I can do like two good ones. I don't know who they are. Um, Certainly not Ray Romano. 
<laughs> Exclusive. Stop it. Thanks more. They <laughs> offered the role of Knuckles the Hedgehog in the Sonic the Hedgehog sequel. God, I hope he takes it. Me too. Also, I want Jason Momoa as Knuckles the Hedgehog so bad. Also, it's slated for an April 19th release of 2022, I believe. I didn't take it down. I just know it's the same day as Into the Spider-Verse, which, bold move, guys. Bold, bold move, Sonic. You like making zero dollars? Oh, I mean, which made more? It was probably Into the Spider-Verse just because of pandemics. Mm-hmm. Right. I mean, you know, Sonic was the highest grossing superhero movie of 2020. I suppose it was. Well, I mean, it was. <laughs> you I, can't suppose. It's a fact. I suppose. <laughs> like, I suppose water's wet. <laughs> I suppose. Um, moving on. I hope he, he takes it. Uh, a Wizard of Oz remake is in the works at New Line Cinema. I've said it before. I'll say it again. I'm really into the world of Oz, but I think the Wizard of Oz story where Dorothy and her three friends travel along the yellow brick road to go find the wizard is a little... It doesn't need to be redone. No, I agree. I mean, I can th when I think of movies that need to be remade, Wizard of Oz is probably like at the bottom of the list. Right. I would love another story in the Oz universe, as long as it's good. Well, I mean, Oz Very Powerful was a flop. Yeah, I love that movie. Of course you do. But, like, <laughs> it was a flop. So I think what they were told is, maybe they want to make an Oz cinematic universe. I hate that I just said that. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. But I guess they think the path, the path of least resistance to that is if they uh, just remain... they got to start from the beginning. Yeah. Even though, if I'm not mistaken with the World of Oz, the Wizard of Oz, as it is, is like the fifth fucking story. It's one of the later things that happens, yeah. Okay. But it was the first written. Well, I don't care. Um, would you like it if uh, Adina Menzel was, was the Wicked Witch? Or would that be... Jerking off the theater community. They would be too jerking much. off the theater community far too much, and they do not need to be jerked off any more than they already are. <laughs> Which is not much, but they. I it's, think that. It's too much. I think that them doing something like that might go a long way to get, at the very least, people in touch with the theater community interested in this movie, because from what I understand, no one is interested in the reboot of The Wizard of Oz. Very few are. I'm most assuredly not. <laughs> I'm not particularly, but I'll, I'll watch it. Who would you want to see in it? Who, who? Give me some hot picks. Give me a Jacob Elordi as the Tin Man. Yeah. <laughs> give me a. I don't know. Give me a Jordan Fisher Scarecrow. Actually, give me that. Yeah, actually, give me that. Um, I'm blanking on his name, but Ned from Spider-Man. I want him as the Lion. No, I want like a Ross Butler as the Lion. No. Yeah. No. That'd be hilarious. Mm-mm. Ross Butler could also be a good scarecrow. Can he sing? <laughs> oh, I was confusing Ross Butler with Ross Lynch for a second. Um, Ross Butler could... I think he can sing. He sings in the musical, musical episodes of Riverdale. They're auto-tuned to shit, though. Don't even... That's true. <laughs> No, he doesn't. He doesn't sing. Cause yeah, because they don't have a, the... Yeah, he was, he was replaced, replaced by them. Yeah. Hmm. Don't come at me with Riverdale falsehoods. I think he can sing. <laughs> I haven't seen him sing. I mean... I, be I believe it's possible. I'm just trying to think of who else I want to see in this movie. Christopher Evans. You know what I forget? What? And I actually, like, vaguely recall this, and I had to scroll through my... 
tweets because I know I like tweeted about it when mm-hmm. it happened, but I need to make sure I'm right. You remember how Chris Evans is slated to be the dentist in the yeah, middle shot? Yeah, I'm so fucking stoked about it. I am stoked about it too. Because now I share a role of Chris Evans. <laughs> Oof. I know, right? Take that. Yeah, that hurts me. Yeah. How does it's it alright, someday I'll be Captain America, so it's fine. <laughs> um, well, Chris Evans, he just really wants to do musicals, man. So, like, let him do The Wizard of Oz. Like, The Wizard, or, like... Do make Chris it. Evans the cowardly one. Yeah. That'd be fun. I mean, I don't know if he'd be like... I mean, if someone texted Chris Evans, like, hey, you want to be in the line costume, he'd be like, don't even delete <laughs> don't my you. number. <laughs> right. Never speak to me again. <laughs> but I guess if they, like, CG'd it, it'd be, maybe he'd wear ping pong balls on his face. Yeah. Maybe. Yeah. So, you know, that's what I think about this movie. Scooby-Doo adult comedy spinoff starring Velma is in development at HBO Max. Mindy Kaling will voice the unsung brains of Mystery Inc. in her animated origin story. Let me, let me, let me see that. Because I actually, I'm not necessarily opposed to this idea entirely, but I do have qualms with this um, uh, headline. Scooby-Doo adult comedy. First off, that's wrong. No, I don't necessarily disagree. It's not necessarily wrong, but, you know. See, here's what I think. I think one of the pieces of Scooby media that I'm most nostalgic for, as it were, is, um, like, the 2000s Scooby-Doo movies. Yeah. that's They're objectively not good movies. They're objectively amazing movies. But, no, they're not. <laughs> no, they're not. <laughs> but, like, I am... Um, understand that movie I think my biggest issue with that movie or not even my biggest issue it's like the double-edged sword of that movie is that it is in fact an R-rated or PG-13 rated take on Scooby-Doo that just got edited into a PG movie yeah so I am excited that Scooby-Doo as an IP is being like more leniently treated so that agreed there's more interesting takes on it because goddamn, like you know, I'm nostalgic for, like, Scooby-Doo, so I'm excited to see, like, yeah. a fresh take on it. Because well, Scoob was not good. Uh, yeah. Here's, here's my big issue. Actually. I feel like none of these... None of the Scooby-Doo characters can be interesting on their own. The only grouping that maybe can is if it's, like, Shaggy and Scooby. But even then... They're both complemented by the other three, and they all need each other to be interesting. Well, because, yeah, I mean, without the gang, Fred's boring. Without the gang, like, Velma's just generally irritating. Right. As, like, a person who's, like, a know-it-all. Mm-hmm. Like, so, yeah, I, would, I wouldn't mind an animated, like, take on Scooby-Doo. Oh, yeah, like an adult comedy that's Scooby-Doo? Absolutely. But just Velma? Right. Mm. But Mindy Kaling is a really good choice. Yeah, I agree. I'm excited for that. Alright. Anything else you'd like to add? Um, I think I'm all set. Jed Apatow's pandemic comedy, The Bubble, announces a cast. Pedro Pascal. Fuck yes! Karen Gillian. Fuck yes! Keegan-Michael Key. Fuck yes! Uh, David Duchovny. Do I have a picture? Uh, No. Uh, let me see if I can find. Them. I know these. I know like the name. I just don't know like. Fred Ar- uh Dutch, O V N Y. Oh, cool, 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 cool. Yeah. Uh, 
for Darmason. Cool. And uh, Maria Bakalova. Sweet. Yeah. That's a banging cast. It is. The film follows a group of actors stuck in a hotel bubble as they try to complete a film. I love that idea. I previously said I don't want to see any... Uh, COVID movies? COVID movies. I will watch this one COVID movie. I'm going to watch Songbird, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> I am. It's going to be great. No. It feels like... A Michael Bay movie that invokes a song that I believe is about being molested. Not a song. A uh, poem that's about getting molested. Yeah. Mm-mm. It... Something about that trailer just feels like it's like conservative propaganda. Um, because it is. <laughs> yeah, I, you know, maybe I'm just a sensitive liberal, but it feels like conservative propaganda. And we're gonna flash back to five minutes ago when we were talking about the Scooby Doo movie oh. or show. Uh, also, a Pete Davidson animated comedy gets the green light at HBO Max, as mm-hmm. well as a reboot slash update slash continuation slash revival of Clone High. Neat. Yeah. Are you ever going to watch Clone High? Uh, probably not. I think you should give it, a, give it a watch. Maybe. I mean, you'd hate it. I just don't know if it's my bag, really. That's fair. Additionally, Close Enough drops Season 2 on February 25th. Are you going to watch it? You know, I might. I actually, the other night, watched a little bit of the first season of it, and I was like... It's not as bad as I, like, remember. Okay. I think... I don't know. It wasn't as good as I was hoping for, but now that I've like had some distance from it, because right. it was honestly the chief reason I bought HBO Max. Right. But now I watched it, and I was like, "Look, there's some good jokes. Like, there's a episode where, um, because they're all like in their thirties or whatever, mm-hmm. where they go to a bar, but like, they're too old. Ah. And uh, and it's like a pastiche of Logan's Run. I don't know if you know what that is. Uh, a little bit, I think. It's like an old movie where they kill old people. Yeah. So, that was fun. Or, um, there's an episode where, they like a WandaVision, actually, kind of, sort of episode. Oh. I mean, I guess getting trapped in the sitcom's a pretty standard trope. Right. It's a weirdly specific, yet standard trope. Right. Um, but yeah, there's some good episodes. I, I like I have a, it's like a C now. Okay. So maybe not the worst of the year last year, but it's still not great. Sure. Um, yeah. All right. That's that was my uh, musings on. I already forgot what it's called. Close enough, season two. Yes. Um, okay. So. Pokemon celebrates its 25th anniversary with. I don't know. A virtual Pokemon concert. With Post Malone. <laughs> I mean, Post Malone's cool. Yeah, see, he's gonna be there. But uh, I, that animation is fucky, and also, like, if you're happy about this, I'm happy for you. I'm genuinely happy that you enjoy Pokemon. Thank you. I, <laughs> I am. Don't. But I'm very happy that everybody who does, does. I'm interested to see what they announce. Year. I can't wait for them to do it because I'm going to talk about it on here because it's technically entertainment news. Yeah. Because it's the 25th anniversary. Who knows what they're going to do? There's so many possibilities. Would you like to know some hot scoops? Sure. So, um, there's two hot scoops floating around. Uh-huh. 
So the first hot scoop is that uh, they're gonna release a, they're gonna digitally release like to the Switch store all the previous Pokemon games. Oh, that'd be cool. I don't think they're gonna do that. I don't think they will either, but that'd be cool. Yeah. Um, the other thing they're talking about is, um, so some people are speculating they're gonna get Gen 9 revealed. I don't believe that. Yeah, it seems like it might be kind of early for that. Yeah, well, Pokemon operates kind of on more or less a three the four year cycle. Yeah. Where, like, because it's every three, maybe Gen 5 up to four. No? Gen 5 I'm up to, like, yeah, no. So it's like a three year cycle. Because mm -hmm. Gen 5 was when we were, was uh, 2010, Gen 6 was 2013. Gen 7 was 2016, and then last, not last year, uh, 2019 was when we started Generation uh, yeah. 8. So I don't, I, I think it's too soon to really say um, new edition. Also, this year, last year, I suppose, broke the mold for Pokemon because they uh, did DLC. Oh, yeah, you told me about that. Yeah, which was met with mixed reception. Mm-hmm. Basically, how Pokemon usually operates is they uh, have, so they'll make like Pokemon um, Fork and Spoon sure. in 2021, and then, well they've shifted a bit because they learned they can make more money doing this, but they used to do was it'd be Pokemon like Knife in 2022. Right. And then you'd have, to, and then it would be about the Knife Legendary and you'd have to like get that one to finish like every and it'd be like a more complete game. Right. But now they've done with like Pokemon Soup Spoon and Salad Fork. Which is like a sequel enhanced edition that has like mm -hmm. So they made it into two games so they can make more money. So some people are talking about maybe a Pokemon whatever it would be for Sword and Shield. Yeah. Pokemon Gun. Um <laughs> Pokemon Gun. Uh but I don't think they're gonna do that. I, I do in my heart of hearts believe that this year is um it's the Gen 4 remakes which are mm -hmm. have been very eagerly anticipated because from my understanding of the community it seems that Gen 4 is the ones that they're most nostalgic for but also feels as though like everyone's nostalgic for the next gen that's going to be remade like everyone right. was like hashtag Cohen remakes when we were like younger and then Oras came out and now they're like hashtag Sinnoh remakes so I don't know that's all. That's that's my two cents on this. I'm excited for them to announce what they're going to do for a 25 year anniversary. Yeah. So I'm sure they'll do something big, more than just like a uh, concert. Yeah. Joe and Anthony Russo reveal Disney's live action Hercules script is due in a week. Neat. I agree. Neat. I'm excited to see it. Yes. Um, the Suicide Squad spinoff series Peacemaker will hit HBO Max in January 2022. That early? Yes. Is that before? No. Because Suicide Squad's part oh, of their 2021 yeah. digital release slate. When is the Suicide Squad's release date? I think August something. Me. Um, yeah. Anything you just want to add, or is that just... Me. Michelle, uh, well, actually... Oh, boy. Are you excited for Peacemaker? I need to see the character's treatment in the Suicide Squad before I know. Because... I think we talked about this when we did the fandom episode. Mm -hmm. I think that P 
Peacemaker is gonna be the one one of the ones to die? Oh, I don't. I think he is, and I think that because it seems I think he'd be like, I got it, guys. I'll make this sacrifice, and then ultimately his sacrifice will amount to nothing. I could see that. So uh, that's what I think. But I think Cena is too good to keep to not keep around. I mean, he's getting a, a prequel series, so. That's, that's what it is more so. I need to see how the character is in the Suicide Squad before, like, I know how to feel about the show, because as interested in I am, as I am to see John Cena, and, like, I'm excited to see John Cena as this character. Right. Where in the gambit of douchey Captain America he falls is entirely going to be dependent on how much of a s- series of centered around him specifically I can stomach. Mm-hmm. Like, I like the Guardians of the Galaxy, but I wouldn't maybe not be able to stomach, like, a Star-Lord Right. Series. Like, could you? No. Yeah, exactly. No. Like, especially if, like, any of, without any of the other supporting cast, you're like, it's like a Star-Lord adventure, I feel like. No good. No good. I apologize. Uh, I should probably tell you this off air, but I have to tell you right now, because I saw a TikTok last night. Should, I, should I pause? No. Okay. No. I want this on there. Um, Emma showed me a TikTok last night, and it had a uh, fan cast for the gods in a Percy Jackson series. Uh-huh. And... Some of them were good, some of them were less good, but I saw, I think, maybe my favorite Percy Jackson fan cast that I, I need this one. What is it? Uh, it was a cast for Mr. D. It was Jack Black as Mr. D. I wouldn't hate that, but I, I would love It wouldn't be that. my first try. I'm still very much like, I want Jake Johnson to be Mr. D now that we've talked about it. I like that. And I still really want Chris Pratt for Aries. Like, yeah, I saw Pedro. For Aries, no, I can see it. No, I wouldn't. He wouldn't be my choice. Make fucking Pedro Pascal Poseidon, you cowards. Do it. That being said, and I guess this is a, a clean segue into something I was about to say. Uh, Pedro Pascal and uh, oh, yeah. Bella Ramsey cast as a lead role in HBO's The Last of Us series. I think that while that's a good choice thing, that was not the best career move for Pedro. Poor Ken, no. Because The Last of Us is just Mandalorian, the game, but post-apocalyptic instead of space. That's fair. Like, I don't know. I don't. I mean, maybe... He's kind of putting himself in his own. He's kind of typecasting himself a little bit. Yeah, that's but, what I'm saying. Like, maybe making a show about a uh, lone badass who's, who is bringing a child uh, across a treacherous wasteland. Yeah. <laughs> and, uh, well, evading, like, people who want this child's blood or something and also they develop a, a father-child relationship along the way and learn about humanity maybe that wasn't the role played right off the back of the Mandalorian right <laughs> I like Pedro Pascal I think he's great I really do I love him I love him so much mm-hmm. but like I think that's just maybe a bit too redundant yeah that's fair I'm excited for the Last of Us series because I never don't want to play those games, but I do want to consume those stories. So, I think you can play those games. I think they're another one of those games that this is just a movie where you kind of just get to push a little bit. Mm, it's it's easier to watch it. Okay, um, that's fair. So, yes. All right, we got three more pieces of news. Dungeons and Dragons, Michelle Rodriguez and Justice Smith join Chris Pine's live action adaptation, which is the movie. Yeah. What class are they? Ooh. Smith is a bard. 
And, uh, should me... Letty. Yeah, Michelle Rodriguez. She might be like a fighter or a rogue. Yeah, what if... I think Chris Pine is a ranger or a rogue. I think Chris Pine's gonna be like a ranger or a paladin. I can see paladin. Um, I think they're gonna be easy classes to like pin down. Right. Cause like, I don't think anyone's gonna be like a sorcerer. Because then they're gonna have, someone's gonna have to explain sorcery points. <laughs> right. We play Dungeons and Dragons like on on Sunday. Yeah. There's a lot of stuff that like. Yeah. I think um. I don't think it's gonna, anyone's gonna be like multi-classing or. I don't think we're gonna see like a druid or anything. We might see a druid. I think maybe like like a character will show up for a little bit to help them along the way, but like the main cast is not. Yeah. There's not gonna be a druid because then someone's gonna have to be like oh. Well, what's the what's the what's the what's the challenge rating? Right. the The main cast is going to be five people that are some combination of fighter, paladin, rogue, bard, ranger, um, wizard, and maybe I think that's it. One more like. No, out of I don't box like an artificer or something, and it'll like they'll I be. I think artificers are a bit too new. I think that um, warlocks are hard to explain. Yeah, uh, I mean they're not hard to explain, but I think that no. like I think they're just going to take like warlock, wizard, sorcerer, and be like it's one thing. Well, no, yeah, I think that's what it is. I think that it, that's going to be hard for like general audiences to quite grasp the difference in the minutia between a wizard and a sorcerer and a warlock yeah. and a. Maybe even like even even druids a little bit like right. What's I don't think they're really going to explain D and D in this movie. I think it's just kind of going to. I think it's going to be, be like a general Strahd movie or something. Yeah, I think it's going to be a general fantasy story. Mm-hmm. I think it might be based on like a like a Curse of Strahd or like some kind of module maybe. Yeah. But like, I also but think like officially gonna... endorsed by D and D the company. Well, I mean, it is officially endorsed. Like they're using the name and everything. Well, yeah, but it'll be like one of the modules. Oh, like one of the D and D publishes. Yeah, probably. And I, I, it'll probably be a new one, maybe even. And they're yeah, gonna release maybe. the module as like a tie-in. Yeah, that's probably what's gonna end up happening. Uh, but also, like, I think it's just gonna be hard to explain to general audiences, like some of the minutia of it. And I also don't think we're gonna see anything like too weird, you know? Yeah. Like, will we see a gelatinous cube? That's my question. We'll see a gelatinous cube because, like, Onward made that palatable to general audiences. Right. But I don't think we're gonna get like this is a Warforged. He's a robot. But like a fight, but like a fantasy robot, not a sci-fi robot. Right, it's different. And he's maybe made of magic wood and maybe made of a lot of steam. It depends on who you ask. Right. Uh, like, I don't think we're gonna get like any really weird, like player races either. Like, I don't think we're, I don't think we're gonna get any bird people. Right. Like, maybe in the background in a, in a tavern. Yeah, the races we get will probably stick to like humans, human, dwarves, oh, dwarf, orc. Yeah, like. Maybe just Smith will be like a halfling or something. Yeah, but like that's what that's my two cents on that. All right, uh, other things. Two more things. Uh, Sawe Ashton will be playing the villain of Captain Marvel two. Fuck yeah! We don't know who she's been cast as. I've seen Moonstone. Mm-hmm. I think Moonstone is the most popular theory at the moment. What's Moonstone's deal? Um. If you don't know off the top of your head, I can delete this segment. No, it, if memory serves me correct, she's got like sort of magic powers, and they're 
influenced by I think like the time of night. So like her powers get stronger the closer it is towards midnight, and then weaker the closer it is towards noon. Okay. Um. I could be entirely off base. Makes sense. Okay. Apple Studios lands Dolly, a sci-fi courtroom movie starring Florence Pugh. She will play a robotic companion doll who is on trial for killing her owner. Dog, that sounds exactly like my shit. That's like all the things I love rolled into one. Sex robots are one of the things you love? No. Robots <laughs> and sex dolls. legal dramas. <laughs> and Florence Pugh. And Florence Pugh. I love Florence Pugh. She's wonderful. I'm interested to see this. I mean, I suppose the Wachowskis already did this, but like... With what? That's this exact is the tech thing is the inciting incident of the Matrix universe. Oh, I've only seen the first Matrix, so I'm not really like well versed in them. There's this um, middle movie called The Animatrix where they outsource various yeah, Matrix anthologies to various animators, and one of them is the background to the world, and it's basically that a robot like killed its owner in self defense when the robot was going to be deactivated, uh-huh. and then it was put on trial, and then it was sent to. Or I think it was executed for murder, and then um, after that, robots like broke off and made their own society in Egypt that was doing much better than human society. Uh-huh. So then humans are like, we're gonna bomb them, and then war happened, and then humanity was like, robots run on solar energy. So what we're gonna do is we're gonna take these, I don't know, like planes or something, and like black out the sky forever, and that'll defeat the robots. But it didn't. <laughs> it didn't really do that, and humans sure didn't like it either. Yeah, and then humans died, and then that's why we're in the Matrix. Huh. Yeah. Intriguing. It is an intriguing movie. There's a lot of interesting ideas. Like, there's a, also... Like, there's an, one where they uh, talk about... How there are, like, s- sections of the Matrix that, um... Like, reality works differently in. Because mm-hmm. it's just... If I understand the, if I remember the reasoning correctly, there are like, think about like there's like an abandoned, like abandoned, abandoned warehouse area, right? right? It's abandoned. There's not, no one's gonna go there really. So the matrix, matrix essentially puts less processing power into that region. So then, if people come around, they can, like, throw a ball and it'll just hover for a bit and then it'll come down. Or like, there's like they can reach through portals like. Thor the Dark World style. Sure. So there's stuff like that. There's uh, one that has the idea that, like, if you exert your body enough in the Matrix, you can maybe break out of it. Like, uh, I think it's like an Olympic runner. He's, like, running, and he's like... It's like Usain Bolt. Right. Um, is running, and he's running, like, so beyond what humans are capable of that the, the Matrix didn't really calculate for that thing right so he like glitches out within the matrix while he's doing it hmm it's neat interesting that does sound interesting and i think he like opens his eyes you can briefly see the weird hentai um robots and like the tubes they're all in yeah and uh, this movie with florence Pugh is called dolly yes because she's a sex dolly sure you see like a sex robot doll interesting i'm very excited for this as am i and finally Donald Glover to star in Mr. and Mrs. Smith series with Phoebe Waller-Bridge, dropping in 2022. He's being quiet. Yeah, yeah. Do you not like this? Not really. Okay. 
I love Mr. and Mrs. Smith. I don't think it's a thing that really needs to be remade, and I don't think these are the people to remake it. Um, I Don't get me wrong. I love both Donald Glover and uh, Phoebe Waller-Bridge. I don't think they're Mr. and Mrs. Smith. That's fair. Um, and also, I don't think it's really a movie that needs to be remade. Well, here we are. Yeah. All right. Shall we move on to the two other boys I loved before? Do you have any thoughts about Mr. and Mrs. Smith? No, because I haven't seen it. Oh, dude, you got to watch it. It's great. I, I will eventually. It's great. I believe it. Um, <laughs> so, shall we move on, though? Yeah, let's move on. Okay. So. Let's, so. You said so before we cut August. Why? So now you said so-so. Why do you harass me? Now they're going to know that we cut. Well, maybe you need to use the bathroom before we start recording from now on, then, huh? I did. We were here for like an hour. Well, maybe you need to drink less water. Dry I'm out. not going to. Dry out, you little spongy boy. No. Yes. I... Alright. So... So, 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 so. To all the boys I've loved before... Oh, we need to talk about how we're going to talk about this. How are we going to talk about this? I think we need to talk about this... As one six-hour movie, <laughs> and not try and do three movie reviews. We're gonna talk, gonna talk. I think we should talk about the series and not. Twelve the boys, twelve the boys, always and forever. Twelve the boys. P.S. I still love you. Yes, I think that also the title of this episode should be "To All the Boys I've Loved Before." P.S. Yes, I, I still, still love you, always, always and forever. forever. Yeah. Okay. How? <laughs> I think I was leaning towards something like that. I was trying to figure out how to string it together. All right. So. <laughs> Netflix's To All the Boys six okay. hour movie. <laughs> um, would you watch a, um, are you saying you'd watch a The Irishman esque version of this? Yes. I would. I, I, I watched feel, all three movies over the course of like, I think four days. I watched all three over the course of like a day. Yeah. And don't do that. I, w- I don't advise yeah, I would that. Not, I, I, watching them over the course of, I think it was five days actually. Because um, I think it was Monday, uh, no, it was like Tuesday. Wednesday and then um, well because I know you asked because I remember you asking me about um, my thoughts on Laura Jean on yes. Wednesday night I believe it was I think it was Tuesday night it was yeah it was because it was when I watched the first movie yes so it was Tuesday night yeah that makes sense because yeah alright I had to do the math in my head mm-hmm. so how do you want to tackle this where do you want to start or what what encompasses non-spoilers or should we just I think we should probably just hop into spoilers. Okay. But let's uh, let's grade the movies individually, and then we're just going to talk about the series. Um. So let's to all the boys I've loved before. Your rating. I give it like a B, like a eighty-four. No, eighty. It's an eighty. I give it like a B plus. I think it's fun. I really like the first one. I like to have a soft spot for it. I, um. Yeah, I really like the first one. I'll give it a B plus. I think it's fun. Um. You know, it's not going to win any Oscars. We know this for a fact because it didn't, didn't like right. three years ago. Uh, but it was still a lot of fun. It was and fun. I, really I saw, um, I read some articles about it earlier. And uh, they talk about what a, like a breath of fresh air it was. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't say that it was particularly groundbreaking. Yeah, I wouldn't quite like, say that. But it broke the mold in any noticeable way from the established rom-com um, yeah, like the high school rom-com genre. I will say it reinvigorated the genre. Yeah, agreed. Because I don't think we've really gotten one of these other than, like, The Spectacular Now. Which is not a rom-com. <laughs> well, 
It's a rom. <laughs> it's a rom. There are some jokes in it. It is not a funny movie. Uh, it is a great movie, though, and you should watch this. Well, I'm just trying to think of what like the, the last big teen rom-com was. Was it 12... Not 12 Boys. Um, was it Fault in Our Stars, maybe? Probably, yeah, but I don't think that's really... It wasn't that big. Commie, either. Not like communist, but funny. <laughs> they do go to... Um, Amsterdam? Uh, yeah. Communist regime Amsterdam. Yeah. <laughs> um, uh, I guess. I was about to say Dutch place. What? Because I don't... Isn't Amsterdam in the Oh, I think so, yeah. I didn't know where... I did, all I knew was that they go somewhere where... Somewhere Dutch. I was going to say Dutch. I was going to say Dutch place. Um, yeah, I guess it did reinvigorate the rom... The teen rom-com genre. Yes. Because... We'd had several teen romances, but not so many teen rom-coms. Yeah. And then after that... Especially well, here, ones that are, like, for a teen audience. Well, I think it's more so that... And we talked about this a little bit off-air, like, earlier, because you just generally chatted while I was setting stuff up. I don't think it's so much that it reinvigorated the rom-com genre as much as it is... It catapulted Noah Centineo's stardom, and Noah Centineo's <laughs> genre is teen rom-coms. Right. Like, I'm convinced Brooks Radigan, Peter Kavinsky, and um, Jamie, whatever, Sierra Burgess. Yeah. They're all cousins or something. It's entirely possible. Right. I was talking with uh, Emma and our roommate Danny about uh, how, like, someday in the next couple of years, Noah Centineo is going to try and do something, like, dramatic. <laughs> In, like, a big movie, and it's just gonna fail hard. I don't think he's a bad actor in this. I do. I hope he proves me wrong. I'm kind of rooting for him, but, like, I don't see it happening. Because there are good performances in this movie, in these movies. I... And his is not really one of them. There's something... It's not bad, it's just... Did you get my snap last night? Yes, but I don't remember what scene exactly you were referencing, so we'll talk about that. We'll talk about it, yeah. yeah. Um, okay, so to all the boys, P.S. I love you. Great I give favorite. it a, like a 74. No, 72. I'm going to give it like a like a 76. No. That one, it, I think that's the low point of the franchise for me. I think the middle one was a bit of a... Well, actually, I'm going to give that like an 81. You're going to give P.S. I still love you an 81? No, I'm gonna give it like a seven. Let's go like seventy-eight. It's generous. <laughs> I think um, I have notes, so we'll get to that. I can no, look. no, it gets like an eighty, eighty-one. Yeah, I'm sticking to it. Okay, what do you give number three then? That gets the seventy. Really? Yeah. I, I think number three was like, what did I give the first one? Like an eighty-four. I give the third one an eighty-three. <laughs> really. I really like the third one. Um, or no, I give it an eighty. It's an eighty. I don't. <laughs> so I my rating is B, C minus, B minus for the franchise. So mine is B plus, B minus, C plus ish. Yeah. All right. Um, what do we want to talk about first? Um. Let's let's talk about some performances. Let's talk about them. 
I don't think Noah Centineo gives a bad performance. I think he does a good performance of doing the Noah Centineo shtick. Right, which is delivering every single line the exact same way throughout the entire movie. Throughout I mean, the entire series, really? <laughs> no, he had some... He it's had, a good line delivery, he had, but he like, had, mix it up a little bit, bud. He had levels. Not really. He had level. <laughs> In the third one, he got like, oh, I hate my dad, and that yeah, something we're going to talk about. I saw someone about. refer to that plotline as spectacular now light. <laughs> yeah. Um, um, but it, like... That was really it. I, I don't. I don't hate the performance. I think you know. I don't hate it. I just think it was very flat. Anyone could have done it, right? Like I could have done it. You could have done sh- it. I sure could have. <laughs> right. You sure could have. Anybody. Anyone we've taken a class with sure could have. Like, exactly. Yeah. I. Um, yeah. Uh, Who else? Uh, Lana Condor. Yeah, I think she gives a, actually a really pretty good performance. Throughout the I think it's very good to you see it like her get become a better actress as the, these movies yeah, go on. Yeah, you do. Because what I refer to as the best acted scene in any movie Noah Centineo has ever been in, it wasn't even one of his acting scenes. Mm-hmm. Um, I, well, I guess we're already in spoilers, but we're not yeah. really at the third one yet. So yeah, well, uh, give give it to us. Oh, when they like broke up and then she was like silent for like three uninterrupted minutes and yeah. it was just face acting. I was like, oh my god. Yeah, this is actually really good. I thought it was quite bold because I was like, oh my god. That's like three minutes of silence to all the boys I've thought before. Yeah. <laughs> like, just like, and it was very good face acting. I really liked it. It was, yeah. She, that was a good scene. Uh, the sisters are both fine. The younger one, I really like. I really like the younger one. I wish, I like the character of the older sister. But I wish they would have cast an actress who actually looked like, even like twenty two, and not like how old do you think that thirty five? That's old. She's like thirty. I looked it up. She looks thirty. Thirty in the first one. No, I know. That's why I, I was like watching it the first one, and I was like, how old is this girl? Yeah. Uh, and then I was like, oh, she's thirty. Also, I wrote this down. Maybe don't puzzle your Asian characters together. You know. Yeah. Because. I couldn't find anything on what the youngest is, like, mm-hmm. racially, but I know Lana Condor is Vietnamese, and the actress who plays the older sister is Hawaiian, and those aren't the same. Those are not the same. Yeah. Like, I appreciate the representation, but maybe, like... Absolutely. Maybe don't say yellow is yellow. Right. If, if you're going to have a, uh, a movie where the Korean culture is very important to those characters, maybe have Korean actors play all of them. Yeah, or at the very least, have them, at least, you know, maybe have, like, the same right. <laughs> racial group play siblings, you know? <laughs> like, that's just my thought. That's just my two cents. Yeah. I think that, to broadly oversimplify stuff, mm-hmm. and maybe be a little, maybe at the sound of risk of something a little offensive, I think there are some groups that might work with. Like, I do believe that maybe, like, Hispanic cultures might because I would say South America has a pretty uniform culture, like South America yeah. and Central America. Right. But like, the Asian countries do not have no, the they same do culture. Not. No. Vietnam is not Japan. Right. Like, those, are, those two are very different. Yeah. So that's just my thought on that. Yeah. I also really like the dad. I love the dad. The dad's great. I think through the whole thing, the dad is just 
doing his best yeah. and doing a pretty good job of it too. Yeah, he's he's a good dad. He's I really, a really good dad. I like I like his little quips. Uh-huh. I like um his like little um I think there's like one scene of it in each movie. Uh where like what's her name? The friend will be saying something stupid and he's like Okay. Yeah. <laughs> He'll just sort of listen to it. Also, the dad looks like a genetic combination of Ben Affleck and Bob Odenkirk. Yeah, I think he even talks like a genetic combination. Yeah, he does. Because he has the Bob Odenkirk draw to him. Uh-huh. <laughs> I really like... I don't really think there's... Well, no, that's not true. Um, I was going to say there are not really any bad performances, but that's not true. That's not quite true. Um, so... Oh, uh, Jordan Fisher's performance in the second movie is actually fantastic. Yeah. I, was, he is, I think in the entire series, he's the character that I look at the most and be like, that's a real person. Yeah. Like, I, well, I mean, I look at Laura Jean and think she's a real person, but because, as I understand, she's more or less an author, self-insert, but like... Yeah, but, you know, like, the one of the ways where I evaluate how good a performance is, especially in a movie like this, where there's not a ton of, like range to the character's emotions that we see right um is how like if i saw that character walking down the street played by this actor would i believe they were a real person or would i think they were acting and uh john ambrose is the one the one character where i would absolutely believe like oh yeah this is a dude named john ambrose yeah not like some dude pretending to be a dude named John Ambrose. Are you saying that if no Centennial just just Peter Kavinsky did it right in front of you, you'd be like, you're not a real person? Yeah, I would. <laughs> right. Um. So, let's hop into the first one then. Okay. So, or so why don't you summarize the plot of the first one? The plot of the first movie. Um, this girl named Lara Jean. Um, she has had five boys that she's had crushes on. She's loved them. She's loved them. Um, and in order to sort of, like, get those feelings out after she realized, like, I don't really have a chance with them, she wrote them, like, a love letter and then put it in an envelope and put it in a box in her closet. And also postmarked it for some reason. Yeah. <laughs> um, then she's all sad because her sister's going away to college in Scotland. Um, which is very far away from Portland, which is where they live. It is um, Portland. I forgot where it was set. Yeah. And, um... So she's like, yeah, I'm sad. And her sister, her younger sister, is like, you should get a boyfriend. She's like, uh, maybe. Kitty knows, knows when LJ's gonna get dick. Like, right. Oh, uh, because the entire main conflict, I forgot the entire main conflict, is, um... Her older sister was dating the boy next door, who was, like, yeah. one of the first guys that Lara Jean had a crush on or one of the last he was the most recent one um but then after her sister got with him i think she, she was who he she liked the longest but his note was the most recent because but she also said specifically like she didn't really realize how she felt about him well no i don't i think she said that she wrote the note after they started dating but she had liked him forever you know it's the yeah, general yeah thing. um and so then the guy, the guy just kind of fucks off though yeah he does after the first movie uh the younger sister, Kitty, um, she finds the love letters, yeah, and so she sends them to to the the all five of those their boys, yeah. And Noah Centineo's character, Peter Kavinsky, uh, is one of them. Wax um, bro, Peter Kavinsky. Yeah, he was dating this girl named Jen, who was a bitch, and now she's less of a bitch. Yeah, 
Um, and then they broke up like the day before, conveniently, because plot. Yeah. And uh, then he like walks out at, to confront Lara Jean in gym class. And um, he's like, hey, like I'm really flattered and everything. Sweet. But then she sees uh, Josh, which was her sister's ex-boyfriend, the guy who she had a crush on, coming up with an envelope too. So she just pins Peter down and and plants one on him. Yeah. And uh, then they're like, okay, so here's what we're going to do. We're going to fake date each other so that I can get my girlfriend back and you can um, avoid the embarrassment of having to talk to Josh about this situation. It's not really an even trade. Right. Um, And then they fake date and then they... Real date. Real date. Yeah. There's some twists and turns along the way. There are a few. Like they make a sex tape accidentally, even though they do not bone. They don't bone. I don't for a minute believe they waited so long to bone. Yeah, no. <laughs> like especially because I realized this while I was watching the second movie. I had met lacrosse players. Yeah. Well, no, I was watching the second movie and I realized there's like a year time jump. Yeah. Because they were juniors in the first two, and then it's second semester of senior year in the third one. Uh huh. And I'm like, no, they fuck. Don't. Don't lie to me, movie. I've met lacrosse players before. Peter Kavinsky would not stand for this. He would just <laughs> dump her after, like, a month. Yeah, probably. Like, not to say that that's a good thing. No. Just, you know, I've met high school lacrosse players. Right, yeah. It's weird, actually, though, how much these movies do kind of mesh together into, like, one continuous movie. Yeah, they actually kind of do pretty well if you... I would say especially two and three. Yeah. Into, like, one very long... Yeah, I if if you set the first movie at the beginning of senior year, and then it, I don't know, but well, that, that wouldn't quite work. I don't think so. If for no other reason, then there's like behaviors exhibited in um, the third movie that makes sense. I can that I'm that I you know as someone who was in a high school relationship. In, like, the time frame of this movie, like, right. junior year, second semester, got really official uh-huh. to... all to the end of your senior year? Yeah. Yeah. Well, I, I can be, like, I can understand that behavior. Or, at the very least, I'm, like, yeah, that's behavior I recognize as, like, right. how a real high schooler would be. Whereas, if um, they had only been dating in the grand scheme of, like, the story for, like... Two months by the events of the third movie, which is presumably what it would be if they. That's fair. Yeah. Then I'd be like, no, you're all unreasonable assets. Right. Um. All right. So, what are some standout parts of uh, the first one to you? Um. It's kind of a fun concept, you know, like the oh, we're gonna like fake date and then actually fall in love. Like it's yeah, it's been it's done. Nothing groundbreaking. It's, it's nothing groundbreaking, but it's fun. I enjoy it. Yeah. Um, and the whole concept of like the love letters is kind of cheesy, but also like it's fun. It's like yeah, it's like a rom com. Yeah. Uh-huh. Um, I'm looking at the uh, all the note all the notes. Uh-huh. All the notes I have loved before. Yes. Um, yeah, I do. I think my big criticism is just like that whole oh, I have to kiss Peter Kavinsky so Josh doesn't talk to me thing is so like. It's so weirdly paced and like yeah, like I don't understand why maybe just like, uh, 
Josh seeing her talking to Peter Kavinsky wouldn't be a, like a, a substantial enough inciting incident because right. just them just like weirdly kissing. Yeah. But I wrote down, I was like, and it's so like, it's weird. The other thing I noticed about the series is anytime there's food on screen, it magically becomes a Wes Anderson movie. Correct. <laughs> and it's so weird because it's just like these overhead like doot, 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 shots like, of large baking. Yeah, and I'm like, but only for like them baking, and then if there's like a dinner scene, it'll cut to an overhead shot of like it just disappearing in chunks, and then mm, dinner, and then forks being folded over each other, and I'm like, right, weird. These movies, well, it's actually interesting because, as I understand, they replaced directors. Yeah, and it was a maybe uncash money move. It was right, because um, I and I think it's noticeable because I will say. The first movie does have some unique style to it. Yeah. The second movie does not. The second movie does not. The third does, but I don't really like that style. Yeah. It's not my favorite, but I did appreciate, like, at least some unique, something unique to this movie. Yeah. And I was, because I remember, like, because I watched the first, or the second one, and I'm like, this is any Netflix movie. Right. Like, there's nothing, like, there's no, like, real, like, style or substance to it, per se. Yeah. So. All right. Well, the other thing is, I think the villain, air quote, motivation is just laughable. Who's the villain? I guess Jen's Jen the villain. In the first one, yeah. Yeah. Because, well, because she has this, I don't know if monologue's a term, but her enlargement of a fight. And she's like, I leaked your sex tape because you kissed him in eighth grade. And I'm yeah. like, what? <laughs> huh? Yeah. And I'm like, she could just do it because she's jealous, like, now. Like, you fucked him a bunch, dude. Like, yeah. Alright, should we move on to the second one then? Um, yeah, let's talk a little bit about the second one. What are your thoughts on the second one? Oh, let me, let, I can recap the second one. Please. So, um, it's, I guess, like a week later yeah. from the end of the first one. Yeah. And uh, Laura Jean and uh, Peter Kavinsky, they're dating for reals now, man. They're for like, realsies. they are, um, they're a real boyfriend and a real girlfriend. And they're going to go on their first real date. Mm-hmm. And then, uh, meanwhile, concurrently to this, who should write Laura Jean back? But John Ambrose McLaren, McLaren, played by the much more attractive than Noah Centineo, Jordan Fisher. Yeah, much, much more attractive. I don't think Noah Centineo is a bad-looking guy or anything. I do. Um, <laughs> I think he's good-looking in the first one, and then every the other ones, I'm just like, mm, he's not really cute. Eh. Maybe I'm more partial because I've been told I've got to type out like Noah Centineo. Um, so, yeah. My thing, though, is... Oh, not my thing. So, uh, John Ambrose McLaren. I forgot whatever his last name is. It's McLaren. John Ambrose. Um, he has written Laura Jean back because she... Or he was one of the recipients of her letter. Uh-huh. And also, I don't know why they made it sound like he was some weird third person that didn't exist. Yeah, because he was, like, the sixth member of their friend group. Yeah, and the thing that's weird is, I understand, like, maybe in the books if that's why, because that was a later edition. Right. But also, like... (laughs) The books had been written by the time. Yeah, you could be like, oh, we're making a third one, so let's at least insinuate that this gentleman will be, like, used to... Because you also get Ross Butler out of nowhere, who I guess was also, like... Yeah, he was the, the fifth member of the friend group, and... Yeah. Well, it's weird, because everyone had their cake and eat it, too, because it doesn't seem to me as though Laura Jean was in a friend with Peter Kavinsky in middle school. No, that's not what I got out of that. Yeah. 
Like, it seems like Peter was kind of like the guy who was kind of always far away and that she never really talked to. Yeah. So, yeah. That's just that's just the weird thing about the second movie. That, and But then once they decide that that's how the dynamics of this school have always worked, they stick with it. Yeah, they stick with it, which I appreciate. Yeah. And then the friend group kind of, like, gets back together in the third one, which I also thought... But not was John, because... Not John. Fuck he, that kid. Yeah. Even though he was a cash money dude. He was dope as hell. Yeah. So, uh, he writes her back, and she's all, oh, what do I say to him? And, and Peter's like, uh, nothing. Well, no, he's not like, uh, nothing. He's like, because in the second one, he's like, oh, cool. I'll tell him I said hi, I guess. Yeah. <clears throat> when he first, when she's like, John Ambrose wrote me, and she's like, oh. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, I also do find it weird, because... John Ambrose's letter is not ludicrously romantic. No. It's more like a let's catch up type type thing. Yeah. Like, if I got that letter, I wouldn't be like, oh damn, he wants... He wants... Some of this. Some of this sweetness. Yeah. Um, So then, who will Laura Jean pick? Will she pick this guy she's been dating for two weeks, or will she pick this guy who's absolutely a better boyfriend for her in every possible way? In every possible way. Right. Uh, I'll give you the audience three guesses. Spoiler alert. It's a threesome. <laughs> no. <laughs> See all of the above. No. Um, she stays with Peter Kaminsky. Which is tragic, truly. Right. Um, so what do you think of part two? The second um, Okay, here's where August and I are going to start yelling at each other. I think Peter Kaminsky becomes an asshole in the second one and remains that way. With, with He has good moments but is generally an asshole throughout the second movie and the third movie. I think that Laura Jean becomes the asshole in the second one. I think Laura Jean does some shit he sh- she should not have done, but she's not, like, the asshole. She just doesn't know how to handle her feelings. And so she chooses to ignore them until That's not an they're literally confronted with each other. Um, it's not, but it is the, the explanation. Whereas Peter's just like... kind of a dick about it. Like, being upset about some of the stuff that Lara Jean does, absolutely warranted. Taking it out on her in the way that he does? No. Well, I don't think he takes it out on her in any He totally does. Like, what do you mean? What do you think he does? Um, the scene in, like, the treehouse when, like, after everybody else leaves and they're... That's, like, a real... That's, like, a reason, reasonable fight, though, I would say. Yeah, but he takes it too far. A little bit. I would say, like, the treehouse adjacent scene like that 10 minutes yeah like Peter Kavinsky my man no cause that one he's <laughs> like hey John Ambrose remember that stutter you used to yeah he's being a douche to John Ambrose and he's being super fucking possessive of Lara Jean which is not a cash move I agree it's not a particularly cash move but I would say, I do recognize the rationale of the 17 year old boy who was encountered with that situation. Sure, but there are much better ways to go about it. No, I agree there's better ways to go about it, but I'm looking at it and I'm like, yeah, I understand why he's doing that. Sure. Do I agree with it? No. Do I understand? Yeah. Um, but I think he's a cash money dude in the third one. A I think he's very much not. He has a couple moments where he like says like, oh, are you okay? As opposed to, you fucking bitch, but only a couple. Right. I don't and, know. Yeah. 
to be fair, again though, Lara Jean uh, doesn't know how to deal with her feelings, and I don't think she does anything necessarily bad or wrong in the third movie. She just could have talked about some shit. Well, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Um, let's, let's, uh, yeah. I agree. I like Ross Butler as an addition to this cast in the second. Oh, I agree. And I, I really like. And him. I like Jordan Fisher for just this one because mm-hmm. he doesn't even cameo again. Like, no. Which bums me out. It, me too. Did you really think that he was going to show up in New York? Is that what you really? Yeah. Thought? Yeah. Um, that was MNI's like theory the whole time was that she was going to go. I'm getting ahead of myself, but she was going to go to New York. Uh, break up with Peter, and then she was gonna like walk into class at her first on her first day at NYU and see Johnny Ambrose there, because obviously that kid goes to NYU. He could go somewhere else, but he uh, he goes <laughs> to NYU. Like we know this. All right. Also, um, super getting ahead of myself, but I give the two of them a solid week and a half. There's a lot of Condor said it too. Yeah. They're like asked an interview and they're like, What do you think? And then she's like, I don't think they make it. Yeah, and then Nelson no. was like, I they should make a fourth one to find out, yeah. Right. Give me more of that Netflix money. <laughs> as though I don't already have enough. Right. Um I think that I don't necessarily give them a week. I don't think Laura Jean's capable of breaking up over FaceTime. I think that they're gonna break up at Thanksgiving. <laughs> I don't think Laura Jean's capable of Breaking up over FaceTime, but I sure as shit think uh, Peter Kaminsky's capable of breaking up over text. <laughs> I don't think he's like a douchebag, really, or anything. I do. I mean, I think he's like the nicer end of the douchebag spectrum. I also think that my big issue with uh, the second movie is that they talk about like, oh, that's classic Kavinsky, like in regards to Ash Holish behavior. Yeah, but like. Peter isn't different between the first and second movies. Everything that he's done, everything that is played for charming in the first movie is now played as like, oh, Peter, you're kind of being a tool. Right, like how it works in real life? Yeah, well, no, I'm saying, but like narratively, nothing has shifted. Not really, but like a lot of the times, that's how it is. Like you see someone and all of their like little quirks and stuff are charming and then you like get to know them and they keep going and you're like, you're being an ass. No, I, I'm aware of that phenomenon. <laughs> I'm familiar with it. Um, I quite like there was a little sequence in uh, movie two where they kind of break up for like a minute, but don't. Yeah. And um, I guess they do. I don't remember. If they yeah, do. no, they do. For like five minutes. And then there's like a music video slotted in. Yeah. <laughs> There was, it was a music video. Like, Lara Jean was, like, singing in the camera. Like, it was, like, Riverdale for a minute. Yeah. I was like, this is weird, but yeah. okay. Yeah. Um, so you think she should have picked uh, John Ambrose? Absolutely. So this... But the entire second movie takes place over the course of, like, a couple months, if I'm not mistaken? Yeah. Like... <clears throat> I think the first... Or the second movie is, like... It's, like, January to March, I believe. Yeah. Man, so I guess Laura Jean just has to go back and keep working with John Ambrose after like that incident. Yeah. Which I'm sure John Ambrose handled like a fucking champ. Because John Ambrose is a champ. He's the he's a, goat. He is the goat. But you know, it is weird to me that we don't see any more John Ambrose though. Yeah, it's really weird. They, he should have at least shown up a little bit in the third one. Yeah. 
Well, because, like, the sister even has a cameo in, like, the second one. Like, she just FaceTimes for a minute. Yeah. Also, it's so weird to me that Josh just disappears. Yeah, Josh just fucks off. He moves. He's like, you know what? I'm sick of this fucking family. Well, is he... Is it stated that he's in the same grade as Laura Jean? Yeah, he's in the same grade as Laura Jean. Oh, because for a second I was like, I guess he could be a senior and Laura Jean's a junior and then the older sister is a freshman in college and I guess I could buy that age differential. Yeah, no, he was in the same grade as Laura Jean. I guess he just disappeared after after that. After that that family next door Mm -hmm. just emotionally abused him for... For a semester, <laughs> a whole little while. Yeah, yeah. Do you think? Do you like Josh or no? Eh, he has one like really good moment in um, the first one, but then he also has moments where he tries to like big dick Peter Kavinsky, uh-huh. and he. So yeah, he big dicks Peter. Yeah, Kavinsky. he. Well, because like, Lara Jean and Peter are having not even a fight, just a, a Dis- disagreement. And he comes over, he's like, she said leave her alone! And Peter's like, whoa, man. <laughs> relax. Yeah. And he's like, I won't relax. You've been terrorizing this girl. He's like, I don't think I have been, actually, man. Right. And he kind of, like, plays into it and assholes back a little bit, but it's not unwarranted. Yeah. But then there's that one moment where, like, him and Lara Jean are sitting on the couch, and she's like what do I do? And he's like, I don't know, man, follow your heart or whatever. Yeah. I'm going to go fuck off to Alaska or whatever. <laughs> I'm transferring schools. Yeah, I'm, I'm transferring schools. I'm tired of this bullshit. I'm getting the fuck out of this neighborhood. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Well, it's weird because that's the other thing because when they like retcon all this friend dynamics in like the whatever, like, from middle school or... Yeah, Josh is not included, even though he was supposedly Lara Jean's best friend since elementary school. Right. It's weird. It's very weird. Also, my favorite thing about the second one is she's like, yeah, I mean, I guess John Ambrose's was a little more intense than everyone else's. I'm like, didn't you write it? Because I did at least look at, like, what I could of the first one. Right. Of her letter to Josh, and it's... I loved you first. I remember that that's like the first line. Yeah. I'm like, I think that one's a little more intense than the, here's this cute story. <laughs> remember when we read a book together? Yeah. Like, that was neat. Yeah. Oh my god. What a, what a fucking. <laughs> yeah. Alright, should we get into the third one then? Let's talk about the third one a little bit. Um, Do you want to explain the conflict of the third one? Yeah, so fast forward a year. They, um,. So they have uh, been dating for, I guess, another year. Oh, now. we miss an entire like, like the whole B plot of movie two. What's the B plot of movie two? <clears throat> um, after Lara Jean and Peter's first like official date, um, Jen comes up to her and is like, "Oh, I bet he took you there, right? He took me there so many times." And then for the rest of the time, Lara Jean is having this internal conflict of like everything, every first time having with Peter, he's already had with Jen, and that makes me insecure. And then Peter's like. Well, just don't be, babe. Yeah. Suck my dick a little bit. And she's like, mm, I don't know, man. And uh, that causes them to break up. That's sure. the inciting incident for, like, their breakup, I believe. Um, they cues the music video and then her kissing John Ambrose and then immediately pulling away and him being like, it's not me, is it? And she's like, nope, bye. Right. What a G. 
Which John Ambrose knows he pulls bitches like exactly. He doesn't need to be told. <laughs> um. Yeah, I guess that is the B plot. Of... Oh, and also I guess the uh, Laura Jean's dad is dating the neighbor now. Oh yeah. That's important for the next one. It is. So fast forward a year later, where I guess they just you know continued to hold hands. <laughs> right. <laughs> and um. So it's spring of senior year. And I guess they're just now getting acceptance letters? That's not how that works, right? Or the... For some schools, especially like the ones they were applying to that are much more like high echelon, um, I guess. it's later. Because I knew what school I was going to by like November. <laughs> I did... Uh, I guess I got mine in January. Well, no. I got... I only actually applied to one school. And then um, I did. I found that out in like November, and I was pretty sure I was going there. But then I did Thescon did like my college auditions, and I got accepted to a whole mess of schools. Um, and they were all like, "You just have to fill out the application, and we'll like it. It doesn't matter. You're accepted. Just fill it out." Right. Um, if you want to go, but then I wound up going to the one that I had applied to beforehand. Okay. So um, yeah. here. Yes. Right here. Here at the University of Northern Colorado in Greeley, Colorado, in the north. Oh. Smells like cows sometimes. Sometimes. Yeah, only when the wind's blowing the right way. <laughs> or the wrong way, I suppose. Um, yeah, okay. So, it's senior year, and Peter Kavinsky has somehow conned his way into Stanford. <laughs> yeah, on a lacrosse scholarship. Because apparently Peter Kavinsky wants to play professional lacrosse or something. He has no, like, aspirations. <laughs> In life, he just wants to go to college. Well, I don't think he says what his major is. He doesn't. Like, he's like, oh yeah, I just want to play some lacrosse. Um, so yeah, they, so Peter Kavinsky has somehow gotten into Stanford. Mm-hmm. He's conned his way in. And, um, meanwhile, Laura Dean is waiting to hear back from Stanford. To see if she got in the regular way. Yeah. But she... She didn't. She didn't. But she accidentally texted Peter that she did because she thought she was texting her sister. It's like, at, it's the most convoluted inciting incident in like ever. Yeah. And then, yeah. Peter Kavinsky just kind of whirlwinds her like five minutes later. Yeah, he shows up with his car all painted in Stanford gear and gives her a weird tree hat and takes her out for pancakes and then asks her to prom. And she's like, I have to tell you something. <laughs> See, here's the thing about that, though. That only works because it's a movie, because, like... Right. Presumably, they would have had an entire car ride for her to be like, hey, hmm. maybe turn down the fight song a little right. bit. <laughs> so then, um... Meanwhile, Laura Jean is like, okay, well, I got into Berkeley. So I'll just go to Berkeley, and then I can drive to see you in an hour, and then we'll be all good. Right. And then Peter Kavinsky's like, yeah, we can do that. Yeah, we can work with that. And then they go on a class trip to New York, and then she's like, I think I love New York City. <laughs> I think I... Love the city. Love the city. And then Peter Kavinsky's real upset about that. He's like, I thought you loved me. And she's like, well, yeah, that, like, doesn't change that. But also, I really want to go to New York. And he's like, well, you can't. You can't, woman. No, I mean, he's not quite like that. Pretty much. That's a little, for a little bit. That's For a little bit, but that's a little reductive. He's more so, okay, well, we're obviously going to break up. And to be fair, Laura Jean was not helping out. She was like, here's a box of all of our memories. <clears throat> and he's like, what the fuck is that, man? Yeah, what's that about, bro? Yeah. 
here's a box of my memories. Come on, dick me down. He's like, you're not. Are you trying to make me less upset with sex right now? <laughs> Is that what you're doing? Which, yeah, <clears throat> Larjun's no angel, but I do think Peter, he has that one moment where she's like, I'm just, I fell in love with New York City. And he's like, well, you love me first, so you have to go to Berkeley. And she's like, whoa, man. Relax. See, and he says, no, we're breaking up now. And she's like, I'm going to lay in bed for a couple days. Yeah, well, yeah. I understand the wanting to break up. Yeah, I get it. And I understand, like... But maybe being an asshole about it isn't that... I get why he had that fight, though. Like, I do understand it, like... Yeah, but he didn't have to be an asshole about it. You can fight about it without being an asshole. No, I know you can fight about it without being an asshole about it. I'm just saying, like, again, I was a teenager in a relationship. I understand that argument. Fair. I, um... Yeah. What are some other moments from movie three you like? What were some standouts? The whole New York trip was pretty fun. And seeing her, um... <clears throat> Jen's redemption arc was pretty was pretty good. Yeah. There yeah. was, uh, like, you know, she actually had to work for it throughout the first two movies, and then but she had to work for it in the third movie, but there was one just kind of, like, weird jump in logic, um, where she was, because even when she was, like, nice to everyone else, she was still like, yeah, my cousin, I kind of hate my cousin, who's Laura Jean's other best friend, because she right. has, like, nine, even though she's not popular. Apparently. Right. She's a loser bookworm who's... Right, she's a loser bookworm who's friends with all the popular people and has, like, nine best friends. Right. Um... <laughs> And the the one weird jump in logic is she's like, oh, I hate my cousin. And then just all of a sudden, like, oh, yeah, no, we're cool. Eh. Which sometimes that happens, but it, like, the but they rest... They had a little wacky New York adventure, so... But even before the New York adventure, she was like, yeah, I guess you're pretty cool. Whatever. Um, you know, a year has passed. I, I can buy it. I think that's my biggest complaint, is that... I don't know. It just feels weird to me that a year has passed and it just doesn't feel like the status quo should be where it is for the year having passed. Yeah. Also, Chris is having freaky, freaky sex with Ross Butler. She is having freaky, freaky sex with Ross. She's presumably pegging him with a subway sandwich. Uh, The freakiest of sex. (laughs) Yeah, like... Yeah, it's... uh, It's weird. It's... It's odd. But it's... It's still fun. I I like the third movie. I like. I, like, I really like. I, I really, really like the first one. I like the first one the most, and then the third one the second most. I I like them less as they go along, but um, no, it makes a little bell curve for me. I didn't. I didn't really dislike any. I do dislike the character of Peter Kaminsky in the second two, though. I don't dislike him. I think Lana. I think Lana Con- I just say Lana Con- I think Laura Jean is the villain of these last two. I disagree. No. It's totally Peter. I think she's wrecking my man Peter Kavinsky's home. No. But then she gets to New York and she cuts her hair. She did cut her hair. It took me a second. I was like, oh, I guess she cut her hair about it. Like all girls do when they go to college? Yeah. Um, And she's in a dorm room that she has all to herself that is larger than like half of the studio apartments in New York City. Right. Um... And uh, all is well. And then it ends, it ends with her saying, like, long distance will be hard, but it gives us There's a more of an opportunity to write love letters. letters. And it, it, was, it was sweet. I, I liked it. 
Yeah. They're going to break up, but like... 100% in like a week. No, I don't... I don't think Peter, Peter Kavinsky's not going to break up her over. Right, he's just going to cheat on her and then dump her on Thanksgiving. He's going to have a whole ass other girlfriend. <laughs> and then, um, be, and then come back for Thanksgiving and be like, oh, by the way, we're broken uh, up. I, we're broken up. We have been for the past months. I just didn't tell you. Um, <laughs> didn't you get the memo? Right. It was lost in the mail. Also, there were several, there, I think there were three points in the third movie where I was like he's about to like propose marriage right now and I was thankfully wrong all of those times but I was going to break my TV I I thought they were going to have a shotgun wedding I really thought it no I thought they were going to like go to the courthouse and like get married and then move to opposite ends of the country (laughs) holy shit dude also Kitty knows Laura Jean is going to get dicked down like 100% she was like good night (laughs) have a good night (laughs) <laughs> Enjoy your sex. <laughs> well, I mean, you know, and I'm not going to say that. Actually, I'll say that. Laura Jean does not strike me as particularly quiet, so. Uh, yeah. Or Peter Kavinsky, for that matter. Correct. So, yeah. Any other thoughts on the 12 boys? Peter Kavinsky says his own name during the <laughs> No. Oh, yeah, Peter. Go, Peter. <laughs> Come on, Peter. <laughs> Let's go, Kavinsky. You're doing a great job, Kavinsky. No. Go no, on. I don't get flicks for that. You get flicks for that. No. Take it. No. Take it like a champ. No. I'll be gentle. No, you won't. Come on, Ricardo. Ow. All right. So, anything else for the entire Boys of Verse? Um... They're good movies. They're fun. I recommend them. Especially if you're looking for something like light fluff. Yeah. Um, fun romantic comedies on Netflix. Yeah. Not as good as The Kissing Booth, though. Close, but not quite. Mm. In my opinion. I guess I need to see Kissing Booth 3. To make I a, need to see Kissing Booth 3. They, <laughs> to they have followed a, a startlingly similar arc. Um, the Kissing Booth has with the first two movies. You're right. Uh, and she... The, the girl should have absolutely picked the other handsome dude as opposed to the like who's who's perfect for them as opposed to the person that they kind of like the lucked into jock. and yeah the, the generic jock don't get me wrong I love Jacob Lordy but I have like no opinions on Jacob you haven't watched it before yet I you're right you're, you're correct I haven't you got stuff. I am so busy, Jesse. With what? So much. I'm in school, unlike you. I work full time. <laughs> we spend the same amount of time doing shit. <laughs> yeah, the same job. Yeah. What? I just do it for the hours that you're doing school. <laughs> so you spend like a lot of homework week doing homework. I have homework, Jesse. <laughs> you think Hitchcock essays write themselves? If you watch the movies, they kind of do. Alright, um, so what are we doing next week? Next week, do you guys, do you audience remember our clue from uh, a couple weeks ago? Shit, what we're doing next week? the host doesn't remember the clue. I remember the clue. Um, oh, I remember the clue. I'm waiting, audience. Do you remember? Say it. Say it. I hope you're listening to this and like yelling, like Blue's Clues, yeah. you know? Um, the clue was, we're throwing it all the way back... Yeah. To maybe the rom-com from the year 
84? I, I was about to ask Siri about it. I think it's 89. I think. <laughs> 89. 89. And if you guessed when Harry met Sally, you were right. Anything else, go fuck yourself. Yeah, okay. go fuck yourself. We love you very much. Please listen to the When Harry Met Sally episode. Please uh, do. I've never seen this movie. Yeah. Um, I've had it recommended uh, plenty of times. Um, and it's one of my mom's favorite movies. Uh, and I am excited to watch it. I am too. Because Billy Crystal is just charming as shit, even though he shouldn't be. I was about to say, is he? Yeah, he shouldn't be, but he is. Yeah, I guess. We'll see. Alright. Until then, um, say your catchphrase, Davis. Stay sticky, friends. Yeah. Stay sticky in the back of your boyfriend's Jeep. No. Stay sticky at the same time as your dad is getting sticky. No, no, no. <laughs> Am I wrong, though? No, but you shouldn't say it. Uh, a familial stickiness across the land. No, no. What I'm talking about. Let's talk about sex, baby. All right, uh, until then, sign our. Have a good time, kids.